I'm an absolutist about most things in life. Everything from free market economics to how to properly dress a cheeseburger. Okay, it's Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. You're back with Barney and Clyde. Uh, Barney Quick and myself, Clyde Myers, for your fortnightly assessment of the weighty matters of the day from Barney's conservative perspective and my own perspective as a libertarian. And uh, we'll see where those overlap and where those are opposed. Yeah. On this fine installment, uh, we have our hyperbolic chamber. We're going to discuss Amy Coney Barrett uh, nomination to the Supreme Court by the very stable genius. Uh, narrative meets reality, new insights into the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, not quite the big shot he says he is, Trump's tax returns. We're going to take a little bit of a, a dive into that boondoggle. Um, and Freedom gets a, a look in the crossroads of America. Donald Rainwater, libertarian candidate for governor here in our home state of Indiana, surges in Indiana polls. Barney Quick, welcome back to the Libation Station, the digital virtual Libation Station. Yes, indeed. And uh, let uh, all our viewers and listeners, welcome back to all of you. Uh, so great to have you with us for this hour of uh, uh, intensive examination and, and uh, of these matters on our plate today. Long, long time viewers and listeners know that um, in non-pandemic times, we meet in person at my bar at my place at the Libation Station. If it's daytime, Clyde, generally, he's really great about finding interesting things to uh, bring of interesting beverages for us to bring. And then sometimes it's a coffee, sometimes it's a fruit drink, whatever. Uh, for closer to evening when we um, record, uh, we might do something more cocktail hour-ish. Uh, but today we're, it's, it's mid-afternoon. And um, what do you got there, Clyde? What do you, what are you? I have with? a Heineken 0.0. Okay. And we've talked again, long time listeners will find this to be old news, but um, at, you know, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or what, but like um, I just my body has a hard time processing alcohol these days, even in even in relatively modest amounts. I always pay the price for it. Um, So this Heineken 0.0, like I'm kind of a craft beer snob and I really like my IPAs and stouts and brown ales. And I'm I'm not I I love a good crisp uh, lager, especially in the summertime. But Heineken's not really on my top list of favorite things. But I got to tell you, for a non-alcoholic beer and to be 0.0, most non-alcoholic beers are really uh, 0.05, which is about the same amount of alcohol as a ripe banana. But to get down to 0.0 and have it taste this much like like real beer and have that sort of, you know, crisp skunkiness that uh, that green bottle German and Dutch beers tend to have, it's it's quite on point. It's very convincing. All right. Very good. Um. I've got a uh, mango drink um, made by the Deep uh, brand. Um, okay, cool. You, you know about them? Mm-hmm. Sharjah United Arab Emirates. It's a yeah. product of the AE. It's got mango pulp, water, sugar, citric acid, and various other ingredients. Keep you good and regular. Them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's a it's a mango, <laughs> drink. Um, deep mango drink. All right, so, very good. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to Breakdown. We started with Hyperbolic Chamber and, and, and Amy Coney Barrett, but I, I kind of wanted to maybe do Don Rainwater first. Sure, that's fine. Is that okay with you? I think yeah. that since we have a lot of local listeners, um, I think this might be of peak interest to them. And if we get new listeners on that are from the area, I think this will hold their attention. So maybe we just uh, dive right into Don Rainwater. Sure, Okay. I don't know if everybody's familiar with the Libertarian Party and, and to what degree they are. I think if they're listening to this show, they probably are to some degree. Um, but the Libertarian Party is kind of seen um, as a as a as a fringe party in a lot of cases because um, you know they they typically don't break high numbers. A lot of that is because they're not included in a lot of the polls um, mm-hmm. a lot of times. So you can't really get high poll numbers if you're not included in the polls. In more local races, they tend to be better included. But the numbers don't t- tend to get very high because, like you say, when a libertarian says limited government, we mean limited. We mean very limited, practically non-existent. You know, um, yeah, laws against force and fraud, and that's just about it. Everything else, very, very uh, private, free market oriented uh, philosophy. So, sort of like what the Republicans say they're about, but tend to not uphold. 
Um, so anyway, so libertarian candidates usually go around like the one percent range um, in in local local elections that can be a little higher than that. Um, I'm not sure what the last libertarian gubernatorial candidate uh, came in at, but it's usually under five percent. But Don Rainwater, Donald Rainwater, is uh, currently polling around twenty four percent, which is huge for a third party candidate. I mean, it's it's uh, completely unprecedented. What what about his message is is resonating? Well, I'll tell you, um, I I've I've met Don a couple times. Okay. He's a great guy. He's a great libertarian. Um, I, I really think he'd be a great governor. Um, but I think that if it was it was purely the libertarian principle, and he's he's very pure on the libertarian message. Um, if it was simply that. I, I don't think it would be happening for him because the last couple gubernatorial candidates um, had that same that same message, right? Low taxes, mm-hmm. almost uh, you know, uh, low regulations, getting um, occupational licensure um, uh, removed, those kinds of things, getting the market involved in in solving our problems instead of the government. Um, that's been the libertarian message since day one. Rex Bell, the previous. Uh, uh, gubernatorial candidate who was very charismatic and a very likable guy um, um, didn't get that high and uh, and before him I don't know who was exactly before him but I remember oh in 08 um, I remember a guy named Andy Horning who was just on fire he's one of the guys that I remember him converted me to liberta- libertarianism I was waking okay. up in the Ron Paul for for president and Andy Horning for Indiana governor. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, these people are speaking my language. Who are these libertarian guys? So anyway, um, if, if it was just the message, I think those guys would have surged in the polls too. But our current governor, Republican, uh, uh, rhino in chief, Eric Holcomb has, uh, issued several mandates, uh, without legislative authority, I'll put them all under an umbrella a program called Hunker Down Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's the um, mandate that's a statewide mask-wearing mandate, um, uh, social distancing mandates, ordering businesses and restaurants and things like that closed or to, to run at partial capacities and really, really wrecked our economy and really, really destroyed the lives of a lot of people trying to conduct business in our state. And it's really pissed a lot of people off. I there are there's even a uh, um, a group called Republicans against uh, Eric Holcomb. Yes. Now, mind you, I I'm gonna I, I I may see this a little differently, not completely, and we'll get into that later. But let's continue to focus on um, rainwater here. Um, yeah. A, a lot of things to like about him with regard to um, being anti um, draconian measures imposed by government with regard to. Uh, the virus. Um, uh, he's done a series of uh, ads, campaign ads, in which he's interviewed by a young man. You may know, the, the, I forget the guy's name, but uh, the, the, the guy um, asked him, uh, should we have had churches open for Easter or will, we, if you're governor, will we have churches open for Easter next spring? And he says, I really like this. And he says, well, that'll be up to the churches. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's nobody's business. Leave everything possible up to people rather than government. Right. And yeah. I think that that is – I think we're seeing uh, – I think there's a voluntary compliance with the masks and stuff like that. I think there certainly would be um, businesses that didn't distance properly. Um, but I, I, no one wants a lawsuit, and, and I just think that um, um, everyone's on board. Everyone's eager to help out You know these businesses, especially the big box stores. They've been very uh, – going above and beyond the mandates and stuff like that. So I, I just don't think you'd have any – problems out of the private sector um for compliance but but bigger than that it's not even just the idea of being mandated the government forcing you to do something it's the idea of it being forced upon the public without consent of the legislature it's perfectly correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's perfectly within the governor's power to call the legislature into session to vote on these types of things so so Personally, for me, I'm I'm sort of like a, a a minarchist on the on the cusp of anarchist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I don't like being told what to do by a group of people any more than I like being told what to do by a single person. 
but I also am sort of a constitutionalist, you know, and and if our legislature comes together and the people we represent to or elected to represent us decide that it's masks and distancing, uh, then masks and distancing it is. You know, it's just the fact that we completely bypassed our process and who's to say through the executive branch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so who's to say what the next thing that they are going to order is, you know what I mean? What if they just decide tomorrow, everybody's happy with masks, but what if they decide tomorrow that, you know, whatever thing, goggles or something, yeah. whatever thing you care about, you know, yeah. what if, okay, cl- it's a climate crisis. We get a, we get a Democrat governor in or even a rhino like Holcomb and that, uh, it says, okay, well, the climate's a crisis. Cars are no longer allowed or, you know, you're only Captain Newsom's doing that out in California. Yeah. You're not allowed to buy gasoline on Sundays or some kind yeah. of dumb blue law like that. And does yeah. that through an executive order. If you don't check their power when they, as soon as they try to take an inch, you gotta, you gotta slap them back into their cave. I think. Now, an inter- uh, I, I, I really, uh, his occupational licensing uh, views on, um, he, he says, um, if there's a place for it, it's through the professional associations that uh, relevant to a given occupation. They're the ones that should be certifying people. Yeah, uh, and leave government out of it. Um, but I really find his uh, view on he's pro-life, and his his rationale is uh, you libertarians have uh, at the basis of your philosophy the uh, non-aggression principle. It's why you're also um, have the foreign policy views that you do. But and, and he yeah. says. I'm pro-life because of the pro-life principle or the pro- non-aggression principle. Excuse me. Um, I yeah. love that about him. And and he's taking uh, it, 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 it. It takes a little courage to do that as a libertarian, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, there's a lot of um, there's a I mean, pro pro-life strictly pro-life is uh, is is kind of rare within the party. I think there's some sects of the of the party that are that are pro-life. I think there might even be a pro-life caucus, but um, but in general, the 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 party's approach is it's not um, it's not the government's place. Yeah, and I'm not strictly pro life. I'm sort of pro life leaning, okay, personally. But I think it's super brave of 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 Don to eat, to come out and say, "Well, this is what how I feel," even you know if it's not going to win you points within the party, even. Um, yeah. But it certainly certainly is resonating with voters. And, mm-hmm. and for example, if I look at some of the um, posts on on Holcomb's page, now remember Holcomb part as part of the hunker down uh, initiative, certain businesses were deemed as essential, and some were ordered closed. Right, so churches, for example, were ordered closed, but Planned Parenthood got to stay open. So uh, Holcomb posts on his uh, page, you know, thanks to Governor Holcomb's pro-life leadership, uh, you know, the Trump administration is warning in Indiana 4.7 million, dot, 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 dot. Um, and then the, the comments are just exploding with pro-life. Isn't this the guy that shut down churches but kept uh, abortion clinics open? Um, this rhino isn't pro-life and, and uh, you know, just all kinds of, uh, of, of things like that. Pro-life means nothing when you – cut every other public program that would provide resources for children. Um, it's just like, it's just like these things are, the, the anger here is, is crazy. Um, yeah. so th- this comment I think is, is really good. It says, yeah, he took my advice and stopped saying the only candidate that's pro life. I lied. We'll still be up in your comment sections regardless. No mandated masks. You rhino rainwater 2020. Um, but <laughs> if you go over to, uh, rainwater's profile, and, and you look at some of his comments, um, he's got one here that it's very simple. Good ideas don't require force, right? Just a little meme. Good ideas don't require force. And uh, people are p- commenting, yeah, people are smart enough to take care of their own health and make up their own minds. I'm a Christian conservative, and you got my vote, Donald Rainwater. So there's all kinds of that kind of stuff. And then there's uh, on, on Holcomb's uh, page again, he, he posts something about uh, full steam ahead and opening the economy. But they didn't completely open. They moved from you know a stage four to sort of a stage four point five and called it stage five. Um, but the, here's a thing with a train going off the rails and rainwater will rain on your parade this November, Mr. Governor. Um, I personally prefer a leader as a governor instead of a follower. Our governor follows, not after November though. 
that ridiculous mask on your face is a large reason why for the first time I'm not voting Republican for our governor. I'm all in for rainwater and just over and over and over again these comments. It's hard yeah. to find a pro Holcomb comment in these in these Holcomb comment sections. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like this. Wow. Um, my position on responding to the pandemic in general, you know, and this is kind of strange uh, because I'm an absolutist about most things in life, you know, everything from um, uh, free market economics to how to properly dress a cheeseburger and, <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah. Throughout my life, I've rarely been able to be caught saying, oh, I blow hot and cold on that, you know, but with regard to this. I don't know that a hard and fast take can be done um, because um, people say, well, you know, uh, there are lots of flu pandemics in the past that, uh, where the statistics were at least as severe or um, and, and a number of things like that, uh, to which I say this. And Dr. Fauci um, uh, says that um, this is unprecedented. We've never dealt with a, a, a virus that looks and acts quite like this. We're still learning about it. We're learning on the fly. And, um, and, you know, and some of these people um, even go to the lengths of calling Dr. Fauci a Nazi or something. Um, some, some of them are, are you know, the, the, there's, there's, there's a Trumpist element among that camp. And, yeah, I can't and stand that. You know, that he's a deep state hack and he's out to get Trump. That's why he's doing all this. And, um, and then well, the other is, side. Yeah, no, I'll, 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 I'll spare everyone my opinion on, on Dr. Fauci. But. I'll, I'll Okay, but the other side of the coin is um, that yes, uh, the the toll from doing lockdowns has uh, it's been economic and psychological. Um, homicide and suicide rates have shot up. Domestic violence. Uh, uh, educators are are, are uh, and, and as a parent, you've said talked about it's and i'm i'm adjunct faculty at our local community college and and i'm getting uh, i'm teaching an online course this fall and it's damn difficult to um do that as well as you as classroom instruction yeah uh, and, and and kids are are especially if they're not getting support from a good supportive parent like you and, and your wife but you know so a lot of kids are at home not getting much um Support for sitting there in front of a computer and, and going through any technical glitches that come up and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's tough on everybody. And, um, and everybody who's... was in, though. Everybody was in. 15 days to flatten the curve. Like, everyone's like, yeah, we can do this. And, you know, people were, like, sewing masks from scratch and, and pitching in and all that kind of stuff. But, man, we're, like, what, 200-some days into 15 days to flatten the curve. And, and, and everybody's just freaking sick of it now. It's, it's time yeah. to go back to work. And, and again, yeah, it's, it's real and it's serious and we need to take precautions. You know, um, I don't think that we need to uh, – uh, quarantine every single person. I don't think we need to distance every single person. There are certain people out there with vulnerabilities. Uh, we've we've discovered what they are: people who have weakened immune systems, people who are obese, people who uh, have diabetes, people who uh, are in certain age categories. By all means, you you need to definitely take those. Uh, you know, if you're in that situation, you have to definitely take those kinds of precautions. But man. You gotta let you gotta let everyone else get back to work and 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 get this economy going, or there's not going to be any resources available to to support uh, everybody else. And I think that's kind of what Rainwater's position is: is that you okay. know you you can't just you know chop the legs off the entire economy. Someone's going to have to provide for everyone else. Yeah, not through state action, but through voluntary action. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to continue to watch his campaign for the next month. Um, yeah, I can't wait. And um, yeah. I'm I'm part of the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Um, I'm technically a state organizer for for Indiana, but we're not very organized. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're we're gonna hopefully be donating some some resources to Rainwater's campaign. So I don't want that to bias our coverage. So if uh, Mr. Holcomb would like to come on the show and defend himself, I'm extending that uh, invitation. If uh, Mr. Woody Myers wants to do the same. He's certainly welcome to, to come on the program or any representative, lieutenant governor, running mate or, or representative is welcome to come here and, and make the case. Yeah. Uh, what do you, shall we like get back in order now and go yeah, to the let's get back in order? Okay. Um, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, grew up in new Orleans, um, was first in her class at, uh, Notre Dame, uh, law school. 
uh, clerked for Antonin Scalia and has taught for many years uh, at uh, Notre Dame. Um, she uh, um, is an originalist. She believes that uh, cases that come before the Supreme Court should be decided based on um, what the Constitution as written yes. has to say about it. Yes. Yeah. I, I saw this quote from her, and I love this. And the quote is, quote, a judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers, and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they might hold. And that's exactly th- how a justice should feel. You and bet. it really should set everyone's mind at ease if, if she really is going to you know, bear this in mind when, when evaluating cases – I mean, she's going to yeah. – it sounds like she's committed to doing so according to the, the laws written. Yeah. Now, her nomination comes about under circumstances that are just uh, fraught with um, tension. Uh, our society is highly polarized. That's A. B, um, Donald Trump is is a uh, unique kind of Republican in that he's bombastic, narcissistic, incoherent, has no core set of values, and um, mm, that sounds like Republicans to me. Self sabotages himself all the time. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm there. Uh, but um, he he uh, kind of has uh, done uh, been that way exponentially. But anyway, he's already got two Supreme Court uh, appointments under his belt, and. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, dies uh, less than uh, three months out from the election and leaves a, leaves a vacuum. And the election uh, could well be very close. And if you had a 4-4 Supreme Court, um, it, that could get real interesting. And so, it, like I say, this whole nomination takes place under very um, tense circumstances. Mm-hmm. And uh, leftists, though, it's kind of interesting. Um, she, she's... Uh, led an impeccable life and and uh, and, and is a stellar jurist uh, and pe- people across the spectrum say so um, and so that they can't make up uh, any wild rumors about her like they did Gorse or uh, excuse me uh, Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw this. Uh, yeah, you 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 can't um, go fabricating some wild caper she pulled. Oh, as, but as they've a, managed a to, haven't they? Yes. Well, they've got what they've got is this. Um, group uh, she belongs to called uh, People of Praise. It's primarily Catholic, but there are some other denominations that have, have some members in it. It was founded in South Bend in 1971, and um, it's it's people who uh, make a co- covenant with each other, basically, to, to hold each other accountable in, in living by their Christian principles. And, uh, oh, right. man. and this group is not even close to the only religious organization or, you know, Christian sect that does this. No, there's, there's a number of them. Um, and, uh, most of them. Yeah. Um, the, the, the attempts to tie her to Margaret, feminist, Margaret at feminist novelist, Margaret Atwood's handmaid's tale, uh, has been debunked, um, pretty thoroughly, even Vox debunked it. And so, but they're still they're, they're uh, AP, which is you know an objective journalist organization. Um, uh, yesterday there was a piece by Michael B. B. Seckler and B. Secker and Michelle Smith that uh, the, uh, the the group has roughly eighteen hundred adult members nationwide with branches and schools in twenty two cities across the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean. All members are inter- encouraged to continue attending church at their own parishes um let's see here um i'm looking for uh what uh while people of praise portrays itself as a tight-knit family of families former members paint a darker picture of that closeness oh, so dark Ooh. Cor- Cor- coral anika uh, theal joined people of praises branch in corvallis oregon in 1979 when she was a 24 year old mother mother of six month old twins um she, she uh said um People of praise community women were expected to live in total submission, not only their husbands, also the male, other male heads uh, uh, within the group. Um, she recounts uh, in a book about her experience that people of praise um, 
in people, praise every consequential personal decision, whether to take a new job, buy a particular model of car, or choose where to live, went through the hierarchy of male leadership. I don't know. Does Amy Coney Barrett look like the kind of person who would, uh, you know, ask a male leader in people of praise what kind of car she ought to buy? I, I, um, basically, if you read this art, AP article yesterday, it boils down to um, there, there's a couple of sticky passages in Paul's letters to the early churches about male headship of a family. Um, but, but that's all within the context of, you know, um, that's only valid if, if a man looks to Christ as his head and, and that the, um, and, and plus the fact that, that in a marriage, both, uh, parties have, have become one. Um, and, uh, uh, Steve Hassan, a uh, mental health counselor who works with people who have left fundamentalist uh, authoritarian religious groups, says the culture within people of praise, as described by Thiel and Williams, um, these former members that um, we looked at, uh, um, including the practice of shunning former members, uh, he cautioned that uh, Thiel and Williams' experience were from decades ago, not necessarily illustrative of how the group now operates. And current members of people of praise interviewed by the AP, strongly dispute these characterizations. There's a high value on personal freedom, said Clark, the Trinity School Director in uh, Oregon. And um, she said she had never heard of some of the practices of the former members detailed the AP, such as micromanaging finances or handing over paychecks. Um, and uh, so... Are they allowed them um, to work? Yeah. I mean, oh, that's for hard to believe. Yeah. For such a patriarchy, they allowed their women to work? I don't believe it for a second. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense that if or when um, Amy Coney Barrett gets confirmed, um, she's going to have, um, you know, a, a certain kind of decision-making power that her husband certainly doesn't, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but, but, and, yeah, and I just point. want, um, there's, there's a, a liberal um, jurist named uh, Noah Feldman, and um, he, he wrote a piece uh three days ago for Bloomberg in which he says, I disagree with much of her judicial philosophy and um, expect to disagree with many, many or most of her future votes and opinions. Yet despite this disagreement, I know her to be a brilliant and conscientious lawyer who will analyze and decide cases in good faith, applying the uh, jurisprudential principles to which she is committed. Um, there are, those are the basic criteria for being a good justice. Barrett meets and exceeds them. I got to know Barrett more than 20 years ago when we clerked at the Supreme Court during the 1998-99 um, term. Uh, of those 30-some clerks that year, all, all of whom had graduated in the top of their law school classes and done prestigious appellate clerkships before coming to work at the court, Barrett stood out. Uh, and, and he just he goes on to sing her praises. And then, you know, um, a, a fellow teacher, law professor at Notre Dame, um, Nicole Garnett, wrote a piece for uh, USA Today uh, four days ago, um, saying, I first met Amy Coney at a Washington, D.C. coffee shop in the spring of 1998. A mutual friend had connected us because we were about to begin clerking together on the Supreme Court. Um, uh, Garnet for uh, Clarence Thomas and her for uh, Antonine Scalia. Um, she said, I don't remember the details, but I do remember that I walked away thinking I just met a uh, remarkable woman. We, had, we could not have known that over the next 22 years, our lives would be completely intertwined, that three years later, she would become a colleague at Notre Dame Law School, and that she and her husband would move around the corner from us in South Bend, Indiana. And they'd raise their kids together and all this stuff. Um, but man, she, um, she says, you will not find a more generous person with a, with a, uh, um, a, a more, more heart totally. and, and humanity than, than uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, Yes, she's brilliant, and yes, she is a principled, careful judge, admired legal scholar, and amazing teacher. Um, but she is also one of the most generous people I've ever met. The Barrett home is a wellspring of hospitality. It's the kind of place where families gather to share life, where the kids are served hot dogs on a backyard picnic table while the parents are treated to Judge Barrett's amazing crawfish etouffee. And then, so she, she's well-regarded across the board. Um, one that's other, th who, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's who the left hates the most yeah they hate people who i mean she's perfect she's she's honest generous intelligent she's competent and she's attractive that's just you know that's just everything that makes their blood boil yeah there's a guy ibram x candy who is a um mm. critical race theory guy yes and amy coney barrett and her husband have I think it's five kids of their own and two adopted children from Haiti. And um, 
Ibram X. Kendi has been tweeting and, and uh, writing in the last few days about um, how uh, cross-racial adoption is it, uh, denies a kid its uh, actual heritage and cuts a kid off from, from its lineage. And uh, Yeah. The, as, the, if, as if pigmentation was more important than the opportunity for a kid to have a loving family. The quote in the tweet was uh, – some quote some white colonizers adopted black children uh they quote civilized these quote savage children in the quote superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity yeah like just are you fucking kidding what? me what poison? What absolute poison? What are they um, supposed to do? Leave them to to rot in despair, where these kids would, you know, likely starve or, or exactly. you know, I mean, is there any evidence to to suppose that the that the that the parents of these children wanted to keep them or were able to or, you know, didn't give them up willingly for adoption? Are they against adoption now? Yeah. Um. So. Uh, can black ch- can black country, parents adopt white children? Um, yeah, I, I, that was interesting. I looked that up once, and, and it's a smaller statistically statistically smaller group, but um, there there uh, there are families of that kind in in our nation, and um, uh, they th- there were anecdotal uh, sightings of, of uh, very happy families in, in the pieces I read. I, 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 would have been interesting research to. Well, uh, I mean, I think most families are, yeah, especially if you have a yeah. you know loving, dedicated parents. Exactly, which most adoptive parents are. I think they're real, the ones who are really in it to win it. Absolutely, they've generally tried to have children, biological children, and, and um, are, are immensely grateful to to be able to be parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this whole thing, it's kind of, um, the tone of the last few pieces I've written for my blog late in the day and for my, uh, Substack newsletter precipice are interesting. As I say, I, I'm an abs- lifelong absolutist in, in most ways, uh, but I, lately I find myself, I know Amy Coney Barrett is going to get confirmed. I, I, most leftists are even resigned to that fact. Uh, but it's not going to happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. The, the left is going to howl and scream, and uh, and they're and, going and, to deny this woman her personal agency. Right, they're going to scream and cry that that women are off are so often denied their agency, and they're going to deny this woman hers. Yeah, and um, she's nominated by a uh, uh, president that I find objectionable and uh, downright unfit. But it's a good move. I mean, I, I, because I regard him the way I do, I, I'm not. It doesn't have anything to do with my uh, enthusiasm for this nomination. And so um, it is going to be what it is going to be. And, and um, I, I kind of even feel that way about the, the presidential election. I, 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 um, I can't get excited about either of them. As a matter of fact, I. I um, quite the opposite but uh what i want to see happen you know i also would like to um be as fit and athletic as i was at age 18 and be able to eat biscuits and gravy for breakfast every day you know that <laughs> no, that's right. just possible you know, Wouldn't we all I, have that? Um, there's a lot of things i'd like you know i, I uh, i'd like to be living on 50 acres of land on a uh, west virginia mountaintop or something you know and i'm uh, but um it's not going to, you know. It what is going to be is going to be. I, 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 I'm more focused on my principles and um, seeing what I can do about uh, acting on them, whatever the circumstances are yeah. over the next, over the over the uh, rest of this year. So, so anyway, one one um, glaring thing though, I think we have to address the, um the stark seeming hypocrisy of um, not, not allowing judge um, Merrick Garland to be uh, confirmed in a, in an election year. I think he was, he was nominated back in uh, February, February, something like that. Uh, Before that was the 2012 election year. Uh, No, 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, 
So that was Obama. And, and that's the key. I, I, you, you, you have your uneasiness about that, you say. And, uh, and no, I don't, I don't think I have uneasiness about it because I know that um, both sides are going to play dirty pool as much as they, as they can. Um, and Yeah, tell, tell me if the situation were not reversed right now that the Democrats darn well wouldn't put up a, a um, uh, living constitution type uh, judge and ram that person through. Well, especially after they the Republicans pulled this same crap back in 2016. You know what I mean? So yeah. certainly they would. They just haven't had the, the difference, to do it. Though, the difference is that um, there, there, there's a precedent for holding off on uh, – or there's a precedent for going ahead with nominations when both the Senate and the White House are controlled by the same party. But Why? there's also a pre- precedent for um, holding off on s- such a nomination when the Senate's in, controlled by a different party from the White House. Okay, if there's a precedent for that. So, so, um, so what? That's that's not that there's a there's a rule, there's a hard fast restriction that keeps them from no. being able to do it. So, what's the? Well, and and that's and, and you as you say, raw power is what it comes down to because there th- those are precedents, those are norms. The only two laws that um, pertain to this are both found in the Constitution, which is that the president um, has the power to fill a uh, vacant seat on the Supreme Court and that the uh, Senate has the power to um, give the um, president uh, its advice and consent. That's, so, and that's all. So yeah. so did the, did the Democrats just lay down in 16? Did they just let themselves be pushed over? Uh, I think it, they they howled a lot, but they didn't have the power to stop Mitch McConnell from saying, "Now nah, we're not going to have a vote on this guy." I just don't understand what happened. I don't understand the, the difference there. I'm saying why they couldn't, why the Republicans can force it now and the Democrats couldn't force it then. Uh, I realize there's precedent, but precedent's not well. Not uh, really. <laughs> that, no, that's true. That that that's true. I think they. It just sounds like they just they just. Fell over, uh, which you know. Um, uh, I think it comes down to sheer numbers. I think that you know, I think they were seething under their teeth, but Mitch McConnell had the final say. We'll have to look that up, uh, yeah. viewers, listeners. If you know the answer to that question, uh, yeah, why couldn't they? Just, why couldn't the Democrats just uh, force the force the vote, force the confirmation? In 2016, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who, who is really steeped in the details of, of what happened then. Yeah. Okay. okay um, next up would be um, Narrative Meets Reality New Insights into the Brianna uh, Taylor case. You know, she was supposed to be the different one, the one whose circumstances were much different. These guys, uh, no one could deny that those guys, um, sure, the most militant Black Lives Matter types were making a martyr out of those guys. The, the four guys that have died since May, uh, George Floyd, Rayshard, Rayshard Brooks, um, Jacob Blake, and Daniel Prude. Um, but but you look, you don't have to look far into their cases to see that they were all resisting arrest. Three of them were loaded on hard drugs, and one was drunk. As a matter of fact, the fact that he was drunk had a lot you know, to do with him being in trouble with the law. Um, and uh, and they all had violent criminal histories. Breonna Taylor was different. She was an EMT. As it turns out, she was no Hold longer. On, before, before we go there, let me just set the stage. And you, I want you oh, to tell okay. me if 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 you got the same sense in the beginning. Okay, so I, I jotted down some notes here. But as okay. I recall, when this story started to unfold, um, and I want to preface this by like anything that we say here in the next few minutes, it, even if it's f- fact, we're not making the case that Brianna Taylor deserved to die. No. We're not making the case that the police didn't use ex- excessive force. We're not right. making the case that no-knock warrants are okay. Um, right. We're just – first and foremost, I want to lay down the some some facts about how I understood the narrative to begin with, right? Yeah. And that was that this was a completely innocent woman, right? That she was a, a nurse – who had worked a double shift or something like that. She's asleep in her bed. The cops bust down her door because they had a warrant to arrest her ex-boyfriend who hadn't lived with her for several months, and they just got the wrong address or they hadn't got the address updated. 
So story being that it was uh, the ex-boyfriend was the only name on the warrant. They were there for him. They bust down the door unannounced and shower the place with bullets, and she's killed while sleeping in her bed. Uh, this is where, like, the hashtag, you know, um, and, and the phrase sleeping while black or it's illegal to sleep while black came from. Um, and then the, the story sort of got updated uh, midstream to they're sleeping in their bed and the, the new boyfriend hears a noise and, uh, you know, hears somebody breaking in and he grabs his gun because he's a licensed gun owner and uh, he gets up to check out the thing and then uh, fires on the intruders, not knowing that they're cops. And then that's when the shower of bullets comes into the apartment. So uh, that that last bit seems to at least be a little bit closer to the truth. But that was sort of like what the media put out, right? Did I, did I get that right? That, yeah. That's what everybody believes happened. And, and they believe – and I'm not sure how it got – framed that um that this happened simply because um the people inside the apartment brianna taylor and her and her boyfriend at the time i can't remember his name uh because they're black they're targeted because they're black yeah so you want to if you want to take that from there okay here uh, uh louisville's uh um, major daily newspaper, the uh, Courier Journal, and one of its television stations, WAVE, um, have been doing a very uh, exhaustive uh, in- investigative work on this case. Uh, and um, um, it turns out she wasn't sleep, uh, shot in her sleep in bed. Uh, the cops knocked and announced themselves, um, and they both got out of bed. Walker drew his gun. He, who knows? He may have thought it was intruders, but um, he shot as the door was, they were uh, pressing the door in and, and shot one officer in the leg, injuring him. He, he needed to go to the hospital over that. But uh, to so, be fair, so, sorry yeah. to, to, to bump in, but to be fair, there is a 911 call where he calls and reports the intrusion. Kenneth Walker, the new boyfriend? Yes. The, okay. And it sounds, it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he called as they were coming in or after or what, but it's, it sounds, if you've listened to it, it sounds kind of legit that, you know, he, he's scared. There's somebody breaking in his house and he calls the police. But he runs behind his, behind Brianna. Uh, and, and she's standing there in the hallway and takes the brunt of the, the return fire. I didn't uh, know that. I, I heard yeah. that they, that, that it, it was basically just dark and that he fired on them and then they returned fire and she had come up, to come up behind him or came, had come into the hallway and just got hit by stray bullets. Uh, okay. But there, there's so much more. Um, the ex-boyfriend was still very much in the picture. His name's Jamarcus Glover and he's currently on the lam. He skipped a court appearance on some drug charges in July and his lawyer last I heard didn't know where he was. There's a warrant for his arrest. Um, and, uh, so why why did the police go to Taylor's bar? It wasn't a mistaken apartment. It, you know, the, the original impression that was given to the American public was that oh, it was a complete, completely a matter of wrong wrong uh, address. No, um, he'd been listing his uh, the, the previous boyfriend um, Glover had been listing three o three o o three Springfield Drive, the address of the apartment, as his address. And Taylor's phone number as his own, um, and uh, and her name was on the warrant. Her name yes. was on the warrant too. Yes, Brianna Taylor had been involved in this drug ring that Jamarcus Glover was a big shot in um, for a long time. She was still handling his drug deal finances at the time of her death. It sounds like they've got her on on uh, that they've recorded her in some conversations where um, they're, where they're discussing some of the money management and some of the you know different aspects of that going on at the trap which is um uh, drug trade lingo for uh, a dealing house um and and and, and yeah they, they both mentioned other people in this drug ring and so forth my point being and like you say brianna taylor did not deserve to die she's 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 a young woman who made some poor choices yeah she's in, only 26 you know, man like like we I, I certainly did some dumb crap when i was 26 and let's not make martyrs out of um People who are uh, well, let's not distort the facts. Let's not distort yeah. the facts of the of the situation. And again, yeah. 
I don't think that uh, any of this is okay. And I think that this is a case of agents of the state breaking into an innocent person's home and then uh, resulting in their death because I don't think that um, that the government should have the right to um, create contraband. I, I think that the um, the fact that there's even a drug war is uh, is an affront to freedom in the country. Um, okay. You know, these people are they're they're just you know they're just supplying demand someone's going to supply the demand you know yeah. whether it's on the legal market or the black market and 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 they're doing it you know yeah. um and you know i i think that they did assume some risk too to do that and there's certainly some um man there's some some crazy circumstances in in this case because um she, i i heard this this is this is hearsay uh, so I, I, I read that she was forced to quit her job. She, she wasn't an EMT at the time because she was forced to quit because a body was found in a, a car that was rented under her name. And, uh, the victim was apparently some associate of her previous that's, boyfriend who was the drug That's dealer. pretty well established. Yes. And back in 2016, a, a car that had been rented in her name, um, a, uh, an associate, uh, of, um, Glover's, uh, his, bo- his body was found in the backseat of that car. That's true. Um, now, a couple of things before we move on. Um, one, uh, I th- and you kind of alluded to this. Those police in that situation did not start their shifts that day or wake up in the morning that day thinking, you know, God, how can I kill a black person today? Right. Uh, right. And, and, that's, and, an absurd, and that's an absurd opinion. And it and it is possible, darn hard given the climate in our country today. But it is possible to view each of these: George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, uh, Jacob Blake, Daniel Prude, and Breonna Taylor, as local crime incidents involving people, police who happen to be white, and 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 people who got shot who happened to be black, and and view it that way. It is yeah. possible to do that. Um, even um, yeah, go ahead. Even Daniel Cameron, the the uh, black attorney state attorney general, general for for Kentucky, um, you know, came out and, and said that 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 this was um, you know an unfortunate situation that was um, a result of of policing. And I didn't hear him say that it was um, um, you know not excessive force or anything like that. But I, I but he was he was basically alluding to the fact that, you know, this isn't a racially motivated thing. This was a matter of policing and that's it. And I, I shouldn't have to mention that he's a black man, but, yeah. but it is important because of the state of the, of the country. But as a result of our framing it in racial terms, we now have Louisville once again going up in flames and not only going up in flames, but racial justice advocates uh, shaking down local businesses and making demands of yes. them, uh, to employ more black people, purchase more inventory from black retailers, and undergo diversity training. There was a, there's a Middle Eastern guy, um, where's his name? Uh, Fadi Fawri, um, who uh, owns a shop in, in downtown Louisville, and he um, said uh, that he's been sleeping in his shop since um, the, the first... Um, uh, outburst of unrest got going. He's he's an immigrant from Jordan, and he doesn't feel any need for diversity training, and um, he's not uh, going to have have any of it. Right. Um, but he, he, he it's things finally got to the point where he was going to move his uh, shop to another location, which has already been destroyed. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, they had uh, destroyed the place where he was moving to. Yeah, he's got to go to Plan C now. He couldn't even so, get the hell out of Dodge as requested, you know, if yeah. he wanted to. That's where we are in the fall of 2020. You will not be permitted to not view things through the racial lens. Yeah. It's a really scary road that we're choosing to go down here, people. Like, yeah. um, you know, this is this is real uh, Soviet class warfare here. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty scary. Um, the, the final uh, segment we've got is not quite the big shot he says he is. Um, uh, the Trump tax returns. The New York Times, and uh, uh, they claim that they were able to do so by legal means, got hold of Trump's tax returns for the last several years. They you know, claim. And, they claim. Yeah. They haven't re- revealed any source, I, and I haven't seen that this has been uh, – I'm not saying it's not genuine, but I, I don't see that there's anything other than the New York Times word uh, yeah. to believe that it is legitimate. Yeah. And since now, they're own liars, who knows? 
Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Um, it's interesting to see the tr- hardcore Trumpists uh, make that the main point when the facts are out there now. And he sure uh, he, he went several years without paying any uh, income tax. Uh, in 2017, he paid $750. And, you know, it's the left's going to have a field day with this rich, fat cat uh, plays by different rules angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a few things about that. One. Uh, if you want to go all the way back to uh, basic, basic principles, and, and I think you and I, this is an area of overlap, definitely for you and me. Ultimately, the income tax is a morally objectionable way for the government to raise money. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and uh, I think it's downright sinister. Money you make is belongs to you. It's a, it's a type of property of yours. Mm-hmm. And and if if your property isn't yours, uh, that's the beginning of the erosion of any any kind of right. Now I, you know, I understand that other ways of going about it, like a national sales tax or whatever, um, is is a pipe dream for the time being. We, we're 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 stuck with an income tax, sort of like I was saying earlier about however the election is going to turn out. It's going to be what it's going to be, and you can't, you know, stamp your foot and right. But the tax, corns and rainbow. This this is a, um, um, I, I don't know if it's a red herring or what it is, but it, it's yeah. something that the left uses to go after rich people. This person didn't pay pay any any income tax. Well, a lot of people don't pay any income tax because income tax is something that W two employees pay. The hourly employees and salaried employees pay pay income tax on their W twos. A lot of people get paid in a different way. They get paid through um, sales of of stocks and through um, um, sales of assets, and they get paid in capital gains and they pay capital gains tax, you know, and, um, if they're running a giant corporation and the giant corporation, um, is the one that's generated the revenue, then they pay the corporate tax, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, they own buildings and they pay property tax and they employ people and they, they pay, um, they pay, uh, payroll taxes and they pay, uh, what do you call it? Unemployment, unemployment taxes and they, they taxes and taxes and taxes and they place, they pay sales taxes on their goods. And then they, uh, they recoup sales or they collect sales taxes on their goods. So, so this idea that just because somebody's rich or, you know, they didn't pay any specifically income taxes, they paid low amounts of income taxes. doesn't mean that they didn't pay or that they didn't create a ton of tax revenue. Um, exactly. And I guarantee um, you, and, and as much as I dislike Donald Trump, the, the idea that, that um, he hasn't generated more tax revenue than any one of you, Banshee screaming hair on fire idiots. You yeah. Know, he's, he's paid more than 500 of any of you idiots. Yeah. Now that said, I, I think far more significant is what the tax records uh, obtained by the times uh, show about the true magnitude of the VSG's wealth. He's not as rich as he's claimed he uh, is uh, ever. He, um, he inherited uh, millions of dollars from his father Um did foolish things with it that uh, you know he's been filed bankruptcy multiple times he's currently highly leveraged he's currently up to his eyeballs in debt and um he's he's misrepresented how wealthy he is uh, it brings to the fore uh, his uh, most distasteful qualities his mendacity and his all-consuming need to be glorified which um we know that shows up in other areas of his life um and uh it, it doesn't speak well of his his um, the character he brings to his office. Yeah, but nobody cares about that. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. The Mi- Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire put it this way. He said, uh, "Nobody cares about Donald Trump's taxes. Nobody cares about any politician's taxes. It's just an attack um, that has come up over the past few decades for opposition research firms to launch more assaults on other candidates. Nobody cares." Public opinion shows this. People care about immigration. They care about jobs. They care about the economy. They do not care about the tax returns of some politician from 10 years ago. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. So most people, you know, there's there's a couple different kinds of Trump supporters, right? Most of them, I think, um, they already know he's a scumbag, and they've decided that that's not a deal breaker. They've decided that that's not enough for them to choose Biden, um, which is really something to, to say about Biden, not Trump, I would I would tell you. <laughs> Um, the rest of his supporters love him not, you know, 
despite the fact that he's a scumbag, but because he's a scumbag. He's got sharp elbows, and that's what we need. That that's right. He's an alpha dog. And why Why yeah. should the alpha dog pay taxes? You know, we, we, yeah. should, we should be bringing the kill to the alpha, you know? Then yeah. there's a smaller group of people, um, like I just said, that, that understand that, that people get paid different ways and that they, that, that income tax is something that that salaried and hourly employees pay. It's a, it's a different scheme. Yeah. Where people get paid in, in, in a different way. Um, but uh, I'm not so concerned about the, the tax part of it. It's just what he has said over the years about being so incredibly rich. And he, he hasn't been as rich as he said he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not so concerned about the hot water that puts him in with the government or doesn't, uh, you know, the IRS. But um, I, it's just a matter of basic character. He, he um, And being on The Apprentice, um, actually, the, Michael Bennett, that um, reality show producer, uh, Mark Bennett, excuse me, um, who had made, made the Survivor such a success, um, you know, ran into Donald Trump uh, back in the early part of this, you know, back in the 2000s and said, man, you know, how about a reality show featuring you, you know, and each week uh, um, people are eliminated from some company you form, uh, the famous you're fired thing. And um, – created this uh alter ego of his um all he all he ever really did was show up for the final taping for this yeah. thing and yeah. and but it but revived his image uh gave him a certain kind of alpha dog appeal mm-hmm. and um earned him uh, 427.4 million yeah. um and so um and he sold that, that branding that that's that's actually really brilliant yeah rather than selling a product you know his attempts to sell products over time have been you know uh, a lot of oh, disasters. Oh yeah, Trump and, State, Trump vodka, yeah. Trump uh, Trump University, Trump Airlines for a while. But yeah. sell, selling his bombastic um, uh, personality has has been a gravy train. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. There's a funny story uh, uh, about one of his Trump towers, and I forget where where it was designed and built. But he hired some pretty darn good architects to, to uh, design it for him, and. Uh, the, the atrium that you first walk into when you enter the hotel part of it, um, he wanted to have big gold T's put in above the, you know, entryways from the atrium into the various hallways of the hotel. And they were saying, Mr. Trump, you know, <clears throat> we've really given a lot of thought to the thematic design of this hotel. And what you're thinking there doesn't really fit with it. And don't worry. You guys don't think that'd be great. Have big gold T's. <laughs> they talked him out of it, but mm-hmm. it, uh, uh, took a lot of deaf negotiation. Yeah, to well, no one's claiming he has taste. <laughs> no. Yeah, I just thought that. But no, good for him. Good for him. Taxes are totally immoral. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think that. Um, I want to throw out a couple quotes. I, 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 I brought up from my my hero of all time, Henry David Thoreau. Okay. And uh, two quotes from On the Duty of Civil Disobedience, uh, his famous paper. Quote number one: He says. If a thousand men were not to pay their tax bills this year, that would not be a violent and bloody measure as it would be to pay them and enable the state to commit violence and shed innocent blood. So uh, uh, Thoreau, being a, uh, a committed tax dodger, he, he, he made the uh, claim that he would never, he would never pay um, taxes while there was slavery, you know? And, okay. Um, and he... He made this quote also in uh, in Civil Disobedience. I've never declined paying the highway tax because I am as desirous of being a good neighbor as I am of being a bad subject. And as for supporting schools, well, I'm doing my part to educate my fellow countrymen now. <laughs> it is for okay. no particular item in the tax bill that I refuse to pay it. I simply wish to refuse allegiance to the state, to withdraw and stand aloof from it effectually. I do not care to trace the course of my dollar if I could – Till it buys a man or a musket to shoot one with. The dollar is innocent, but I am concerned to trace the effects of my allegiance. In fact, I quiet, I quietly declare war with the state after after my fashion, though I will still make some use of it and get what advantage of her I can, as is usual in such cases. Uh, I can see why uh, he resonates with you. Isn't that just the most eloquently put? You know, the dollar is innocent. I have I don't care to to trace my dollar till it buys a man or a musket to shoot one with. It's just so brilliant. <laughs> um, well, uh, you feel like we've covered the terrain here? 
I, well, I don't really have anything more to say about uh, Trump's tax returns. I mean, I, I just really couldn't care less. Um, I don't think either one of us has ever made the uh, the claim that he's an, an ethical person, but uh, I don't think it's going to disqualifying him from being president. And I don't think that Biden's a strong enough candidate to um, to <laughs> pardon the pun, but Trump that uh, that that bad character of his. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, we covered um, a, a wide spectrum today. All right. Well, chime in, uh, comment here below, subscribe, like, share, do all those fancy things with all the buttons that you got on your smarty smartphone. Put us on your feed, put us in your tweets. Remember us at patreon.com slash Barney and Clyde. And uh, I guess we'll see you in a fortnight. Okay. And until then, stay vigilant about your freedom. I agree with you that I am right.